world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. <laughs> so when I used to work at the complex store, uh, and it was like, and people's annuals were coming out, um, I had to write everything down by hand of like the stuff we were selling. So people would come in and grab Batman annuals off the shelf. So I had to like write them down. So as I was writing them, I would like whisper to myself and it'd be like Batman anal 20, you know, 2017. <laughs> and, and I would do it like just just loudly just quietly enough that like you you'd be like i'm sorry what but like you wouldn't not loudly enough that like you could definitively say i definitely said that um so so that was like some weird sort of sick joke i like to do on customers and just see like peek up and look at their faces as i'm, as I'm going and going you know Oh, Lobo Anal, okay, 2014. Oh, gosh. Um, <laughs> I worked in a uh, registration <laughs> office, um, and people would call, and I'd say, registration, this is John. And I would always mute my phone after I said that while they were giving their spiel, like, oh, hi, I'm trying to cut, because it's always the same, and they can just turn on autopilot to listen to it. <laughs> and so to everyone around me in the office, they'd hear me do the, the, the old uh, Adam Sandler Cajun man registration. And so throughout any phone call, I, I'd, uh, oh, can I get the verification number on the back of the car? Verification. I just, like like a dog with a bone, just relentless, just would do that joke. I never got tired of the joke. I don't know about everybody else. I never got tired of that joke. It was so dumb. But I, I suspect a couple people got tired of that joke. Well, they never spoke <laughs> up loud enough, so too bad for them. <laughs> Steven, you wanted to... You wanted you wanted to talk about comics. Is that, I did uh, want to talk about comics, but this comic's exhausting. It is. <laughs> yeah. I'm not even sure that the, I'm not sure that exhausting means bad. Just that it's exhausting. It's 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 a thick boy. It's a thick boy. The Earth X thick boy. <laughs> that, there's the episode title. There you go. <laughs> all right. Does that mean we can end? Yeah. <laughs> all right. That's cool. All I, that, I mean, in those two words, <laughs> it summarizes everything about it. <laughs> Hey, does, is Hulk like a gorilla in it? Thick boy. Oh, of course. Does it turn boy. out that Frank Lumberger is a thick boy? Oh, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. okay. Peter Parker? Thick boy. Oh, yeah. Z Parker. <laughs> <laughs> that was perfect. That's exactly what yeah. I think this uh, falls apart, though, when you start to talk about Thor. Well, Thor really slimmed down, so not 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 a thick boy anymore. Not very thick, not very boy. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to sp- I just want to specify it's it's two C's thick boy, so thick. Yeah, yeah. yeah hey, I know on, how to spell on. thick, although. Yeah. Come on, okay. I've been on an internet. I too have spent time <laughs> on the web. <laughs> I too have visited Twitter. I've seen a TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> I am oh my gosh, I am on TikTok. I don't I don't TikTok. I just browse. That sounds even weird. You just weirder. want to give your personal information away. Yeah, it's fine. They okay. I 
they had it before I found out about that. That's, so. that's true. At this point, it's like getting shot and just being like, I'll wear my bulletproof vest now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> what, am I, what am I gonna do? Bleed more? Come on. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what, what 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 information are they gonna steal? The fact that I haven't left my house in like eight days? Ooh, no. <laughs> Uh-oh. China knows I'm lonely. <laughs> Hope everybody like, in Guangzhou likes anime because I'm watching it. Uh, Do you uh, want sir. some Persona hot takes? Because I've got them. <laughs> sir, he's just been scrolling Netflix for an hour. Oh, we know that he's going to watch Downton Abbey again. <laughs> God, that's so accurate. It hurts. Uh, <laughs> all I was, all I was going to say is, uh, man, it is easy to lose yourself in TikTok. I don't know what it is about their yeah, algorithm some funny or their crap. UI. Like my sisters will send it to me, and there's some funny crap on there. It's just, you know, it's well, it's just the way they have they have it like laid out, like the way TikTok is designed. I like they have okay, so they, <laughs> I'm not even kidding about this. They don't ha- they have like anti ads. They have like a thing where like if you've been scrolling for too long, there's like an official TikTok video that pops up, and they're like, whoa. Hey, you've been scrolling for too long. When was the last time you went outside? And you're just like, oh my gosh, has it been that long? Or the one I most commonly get is like, hey, you've been scrolling for a couple hours, bud. Don't you think you should go to sleep? And it's like, oh, wow, it is two in the morning. Yeah. That's <laughs> <laughs> like the, the Nintendo DS games that yeah. would be like, you've been playing for a while. You should probably save and take a break yeah that that makes me double down on like when we is like why don't you take a break for a while i'm like hey why don't you shut up i'm gonna turn you into garbage disposal like come on you are a machine you are not the boss of me this is how it gets started everyone this is how skynet they start kind of just just kind of nagging you just kind of like you know you wouldn't be so fat if you got off the couch while you played it's like, we know that you can make Mario jump by just shaking your wrists, but you're really supposed to get into it. I, hey, don't you tell me what to do, Nintendo. Don't you tell me what to do, Netflix. Yes, I'm still watching. I will forever be watching. I will never not be watching. So just assume yes next episode. Jeez. I don't need this kind of ju- And then, and then... <laughs> You know, it gets a little bit further, and and, and I'm looking for John Connor. It just—it's a very short leap. <laughs> that's a pretty—that's a pretty quick leap. Yeah, yeah. You give him an inch, and and then Skynet. Yeah, it's uh, all of a sudden you go like from hey, you should take a 15 minute break to get to the chopper. Yeah, real fast. Yeah. 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 I'm really surprised that the uh, end of the world uh, was a pandemic because there were. Not as many movies about that. Oh, man. Do you guys know the YouTuber Dan Olson? Yes. No. Yeah, uh, Folding Ideas is, I think, the name of his channel. He, uh, at the beginning of the pandemic, I think he went to a dark place. <laughs> I just I just want to point out, I haven't followed Dan Olson in like a year or so. I, I don't know I don't know what started turning me off about his, his stuff. but like, Oh, it's probably the fact that every video was 45 minutes. Oh, he's done a lot of shorter ones recently. Oh, um, maybe I'll follow him back. Yeah, Dan Olson did a really great video seven months ago describing what the Snyder Cut probably looks like. Yeah, and that's the last they, one I saw. Oh Yeah, that one was really good. He did a seven or eight minute video talking about just how weird Cats was. <laughs> um, oh. 
His most recent video was about the weird culture and economics surrounding food YouTube. That one was only about (laughs) 22 minutes. About two months ago when the pandemic started, uh, Dan Olson made a video called I Can't Stop Watching Contagion. And it's just like him sitting on the couch being sad for like 16 minutes. And it's actually really compelling. Jeez. Why don't we talk about a comic? Is that why we're here? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I Steven's thought we gonna, were... It's like 20 minutes. Man, we, were, all this. we were avoiding talking about this for a while. <laughs> yeah. We were. But I think now that we've done it, we should commit to it. Like, we've read it. <laughs> Let's talk about it. Get it out of our systems. Gird our loins for the sequels because there are two more books. <laughs> Did you say... <laughs> <laughs> we will deal with those another day, though. Hey, Superhuman Registration Podcast. We're here to superhumanly registrate the podcast... Nope. That doesn't work. <laughs> uh, Steven, you want to take that one more time? <sighs> Hi. Welcome to the Superhuman Registration Podcast, a show where we read a whole bunch of Marvel comics and we rank them from best to worst. Right. Uh, Steven, can you hear me? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I this, can hear you. Yeah, this is John. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, weren't really feeling it. You want to give, you want to give it another try? Yeah. Is there, <laughs> is there a specific, like... Mood you're going for? Uh, listen, can we get that a little bit more yellow? Because he's really purple right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, uh, okay, so it's like you have a secret, <laughs> and you want to tell everybody that only you know, but you want oh, them okay, to know. Okay, okay. And it, and it's about it's about comics. Oh, so my name is Stephen, <laughs> and I've got John and Aldo here with me. In my van. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, that's, that went that's, dark. That's the tone I was getting from that. You're like, this is Steven. <laughs> Dim the lights. Welcome to KSHR, where we talk about all of the best comics. We're about to get real super, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Superhuman Registration Podcast After Dark. <laughs> anyway... We're here to talk about, specifically, Earth-X. Earth-X was quite... This is the only book we're talking about today, so... <laughs> this is a book the same way the Bible is a book. It's a lot of books. Don't be fooled. It's Technically, the Bible is one book. It is bound as one book. All right, listen up, nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that should be our new introduction, like, every time we start the episode. All right, listen up, nerd. <laughs> Listen up, nerd. Some of you know who the Machine Man is. Yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, now you know more about him than you ever thought you would. Oh. I know what he looks like inside. Which I think was kind of a cool visual, but... <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to stay positive about this, <laughs> Well, no, seriously, there is a lot of stuff to be positive about. There's a lot of stuff to criticize. But let's get the, the recap out of the way first, which I've been... Trying to figure out how to deal with that. You mean so, like Steve Rogers? You gonna yeah. recap? Get it? Oh, he's, he's got oh, <laughs> Man, you none of those none of those go over the plate for you. You just get a piece of all of them, don't you? So Earth X comic series started in 1999. It was written by Jim Kruger with art by John Paul Leon. Uh, the whole thing is based on concepts and notes uh, created by Alex Ross. So Alex Ross did all of the character designs. Man, uh, you could uh, you could say this is a a Kruger brand Marvel story. 
<laughs> oh gosh. Um, Todd Klein did the letters, and Bill Reinhold did the inks, and we had multiple colorists, including Matt Hollingsworth, Melissa Edwards, and Linda Lessman. Uh, EarthX is such a bizarre story. It's basically intended to be almost an epilogue to the Marvel Universe. Like, it, it, it's an Elseworlds coupled with, like, what if the universe ended? It takes all of the Marvel Comics characters, pushes everything forward probably about 15, 20 years from the now, or at least the now that was comics as of the late 90s. Uh, it has... Every character is different than how you remember them. So Captain America is no longer, like, the the stalwart patriot. He runs around in a Stars and Stripes toga with the letter A carved into his forehead. Uh, and he is kind of fighting the good fight, but he's completely de demoralized because the world has completely gone to crap. There has been some sort of mysterious event uh, that... Part of the plot of the story is uncovering what this event actually was that has mutated the entire Earth's population. So every person on the planet is now superhuman in some way or another, with the exception of Tony Stark, who has kind of secluded himself in a huge bubble because he thinks the contamination is gross and dirty and he wants to stay human. And when you put it that way, it sounds pretty racist. I mean... It it's Tony Stark, so it probably is a little racist. I thought it was just Howard Hughesy, but, you know. <laughs> I, I think rather than going through each of the different characters, it's probably best just to describe, like, the broad overarching plot and basically sum up all the revelations, understanding that a lot of these revelations actually come about very organically. Uh, and I, I think probably the best way to really start is to start with the framing device which is the Machine Man uh, character created by Jack Kirby, and that's about all I know about him. <laughs> He's a uh, human-appearing robot who is taken to the moon by the Watcher. The Watcher has his base set up on the moon where he is watching the Earth, but the Watcher has been blinded, and so he can't see what's going on on Earth anymore. So he basically... Uh, abducts Machine Man, forces the Machine Man to start watching the goings-on on planet Earth, describing everything that happens to him, and in the process of doing this, the Watcher also explains the entirety of the history of the Marvel Universe. And how... This is, this is actually the big twist, so I'm just gonna, like, spring this right up front. The big twist is that the Watcher reveals that the Earth itself is basically an egg that contains the, uh, like, a baby celestial. The celestials, we've kind of seen them in some other comics that we've read. They popped up in the Neil Gaiman Eternals book that we read. The celestials are enormous godlike beings, and apparently they procreate by laying eggs basically in other planets. And then they manipulate the the native life of those planets so that they develop superpowers so that they can essentially be antibodies protecting the planets 
from invasion from other forces, and then the eggs eventually hatch, a celestial comes out, and the planet is barren, and everybody on the planet basically dies because they fulfilled their purpose. And so that's the big twist. The Watcher is basically a servant of the Celestials, and so he recruits Aaron Stack so that he can keep an eye on things, and also the whole Watcher, like, we don't intervene thing is bullcrap. They actually do intervene specifically to further the cause of the Celestials mm -hmm. and to prevent any harm from coming to the, the embryo inside the planet shell. Also, Aaron Stacks is the machine man, just in case. Aaron Stack is the machine man. He's X-51. He gets called all three of those things. He has a lot of names. That's the, the big revelation. The whole arc of the story features all of the different heroes of the Marvel Universe in very different forms than we are used to seeing them in. Going around trying to solve the mystery of the Earth's mutation, trying to track down the missing inhuman population... Uh, trying to understand these weird dreams that they are getting from uh, Captain Marvel. Not the, the cool Captain Marvel, the Mar alien priest Marvel, the one who died in the 80s and people stopped caring about him. Uh, they're also trying to stop this invading army that is led by the new Red Skull. The Red Skull is now a teenage boy who has just the ultimate mind control powers. And... I think those are really the, the main broad strokes. A lot of the stuff that makes the story interesting is talking about the different versions of the characters, like how Captain America is now this pessimist with the letter A carved into his forehead. Such a weird design. Uh, the Hulk has had multiple different permutations throughout his uh, publication history. This version of the Hulk is actually two creatures. Uh, there is the Hulk body itself, which is the giant green brute wearing a diaper, and the brain of the Hulk, Bruce Banner, is now a child who accompanies the brute Hulk everywhere he goes. Uh, the Thing has actually settled down into a relatively happy life. He married Alicia Masters, and they have two children who look like the Thing, and their names are Buzz and Chuck. Did anybody wonder what the, what birthing those is like? I imagine it's got to be a lot more uncomfortable than regular birth. Well, I think that she used her powers to bring them about, right? That was That's the way that I choose to. I mean, I would hope so. Otherwise, it'd be like the worst kidney stone of all time. Gosh. Uh, moving on from that delightful imagery. <laughs> I'm just, you know, laying it out. I'm no doctor, but oof. Thor is a woman. That There's not really much explanation given for that other than Loki turned Thor into a woman. Well, no, no. Loki tricked Odin into turning Thor into a woman. Correct, you're right. For some sort of humility lesson. And you, they just made Thor a smoking hot chick. Because <laughs> casual sexism. There's there's not really a good explanation for that? No. Not, not in 1999 or 2010. <laughs> or 2020. Oh, gosh, it's been 30 years since... Book wait, no, wait. 20 years. <laughs> Math is hard. Yeah. <laughs> No, it's it's just because the last three months have lasted, like, five years. So. Yeah. Um, what else is important here? Spider-Man quit, and his daughter is now Venom. But also Spider-Girl. Spider-Girl, Spider-Woman, do they call her? I don't think they do. I don't think anybody except Peter Parker calls her anything, and he only calls her Venom. Venom. 
I, I think, think Mayday Mayday Parker is a cool name. Oh, it's a great <laughs> name. I think it gets used multiple times, actually. Yeah, yeah. Like this is this is not the only May Parker who turns into a spider hero. I I do I do like that uh that she has the venom suit on pretty much like all the time. And when she's in casual wear, she's like in the venom suit, but it looks like a nineteen thirties like femme fatale in the shadows type thing. Yeah. That was rad yeah. for that one panel. <laughs> for that one panel, yeah. Until, you know, she gets the the typical woman treatment in any comic book and when you're fighting a mind control guy, she turns into the mind control guy's, you know, favorite love interest and it's just forced to kiss him. Yep. Those are kind of the broad strokes. What happens at the end of the book? The Celestials show up and the inhabitants of Earth choose to fight back. Uh, Captain America defeats the Red Skull by uh, snapping his neck, which is... Okay, first of all, he kills the skull. By snapping his neck. Yes, yeah, his like twelve year old neck. Yep, snaps his twelve year old neck. <laughs> That's a thing was, that he does. He was He's really not happy bad. about it. Yeah. Oh, oh, good. Well, at least he feels bad. <laughs> um, not as bad as the skull felt, but still. Uh, <laughs> What's well, a neck he, snap? He, he don't think he felt bad very long. long. <laughs> the Celestials show up. Namor fights back against them. Tony Stark actually fights back against them. The Asgardians come down and fight back against them. All of this is to buy time because Black Bolt flew off into space and shouted something. <laughs> it was basically a shout for help to get Galactus to show up. And it turns out that Galactus is like the natural balance. Like he maintains the natural balance of the universe because he goes around eating celestial babies. Celestial fetuses? They're not babies yet. You can't make a space omelet without cracking a few <laughs> There guys. it is. There it is. <laughs> he wants to poach the earth. I'm just being. I'm just being super pedantic, and I love oh, it. Man. And now I'm thinking of Galactus singing the Gaston song. When I was a lad, I ate four dozen eggs. That's why his neck is so large. <laughs> I'm a real good hunter, right? You're the best hunter, Gaston. Okay, thanks. <laughs> the last big twist of the book is that the word that uh, Black Bolt shouted to get Galactus's attention to bring him back to Earth was the word Franklin. Because, as it turns out, Reed Richards turned the original Galactus into a star. Like, got rid of Galactus. But realized that Galactus was needed to maintain some sort of equilibrium in the universe... So Richards tricked his son, the all-powerful mutant, Franklin, into turning into the new Galactus. Wait, did he trick him? Because it sounded like it was something he chose to do, but like had to like brainwash his himself. In his in his rage or grief or whatever. Cause like, yeah, because like part of what they talk about in this in this book, which I thought was kind of an interesting concept, um, it kind of reminds me a little bit of like the book American Gods by Neil Gaiman. Um, well, it doesn't have our best Marvel record, track record. But anyways, um, but the whole premise is that, like, Asgardians are created based on the perceptions of the people who, like, they met on Earth. Um, And so for some reason, because Galactus is kind of maybe a god type of thing, that same rule applies to him. So as long as Franklin Richards believes he is Galactus... 
he has all that entails being Galactus. So as long as he doesn't stop believing. I thought that was an interesting concept about the Asgardians as well. It's like we, we do these things because the people believe that we do. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah, and I like I actually I do like how they expanded that to like the concept of Galactus of Franklin Richards being Galactus, because yeah. like part of the thing and this is why I was like no I think it's it's Franklin that did this, because because uh, it seems like Re- Richards wanted him back he wanted uh, Franklin back, but like he he couldn't do it because he realized if he told him he was Franklin his son he would stop believing he was Galactus and thus it would no longer be a Galactus. So he holds it in. He conceals. He that, feel. Okay, that makes sense why he was talking to him that way. Yeah. 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 Uh, uh, yeah, and I, I I, get that and I liked that. Um, it wasn't entirely clear to me whether this was like Franklin volunteered or whether Reed tricked him. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Reed tricked him because that's yeah. Reed. He's they don't true. specify, and both of those are equally plausible. <laughs> yep, it's true. But, um, yeah, so the things that I like about this, and I, I think we're going to spend a lot of time talking about, like, some of the individual characters, the changes that were made, some of the individual plot beats, because I don't think it's worth it for me to try to summarize everything. I think we should just get into the items that we want to talk about and go from there. But some of the things that I like about this... I, I do tend to like comics, especially superhero stories, that adopt a certain amount of, like, grandiose religiosity to them. It's what I like about the Jonathan Hickman Secret Wars. It's what I like about Silver Surfer Parable. Uh, and so this is the grand unifying vision of the Marvel Universe, in a way. It's a, the grand unifying vision of one version of the Marvel Universe. And it adds a lot of this mythological importance to all sorts of different events. And that stuff I think is really cool and interesting. And that's why I wanted to, to read this story. What did you guys think about it? Just generally. So I wanted to read this book because I had seen so much interesting art from the book, um, which there's a lot of, and I really appreciated how, so, I mean, so, so this is all based on like a concept Alex Ross had. I was reading up on this because I was wondering how this came across and why he's kind of counted as a writer, but not really. Um, and it's because he had, I guess he had done an interview or he had done something where he was talking about like a story that he had kind of pitched and like that interview had been printed in a, in a book or a, like a different comic book or something and it sold out and Marvel just was like, oh, people really like this. Uh, so then they kind of pushed it and they got him to like kind of do an outline or, or do, or kind of flesh out the concept. And then it was handed over to, uh, to Kruger, I believe is the writer, right? Kruger. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then like, that's kind of how it came across. So a lot of the concepts that like you see of like the, like Captain America and his toga, fat Peter Parker, fat 80% of the cast here because that's how we signify that people are old is they get fat. <laughs> beards. And beards. Uh, yeah, so a lot of that Colossus stuff... his amazing mustache. Oh, he does have a great mustache, doesn't he? Not as good as his beard, but... <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, so like a lot of the stuff here comes out of these concepts. I had seen a lot of that like concept art or covers and so forth and so forth and that's kind of like what 
kind of created this. And I think the end product is a lot better than I expected, but it's still, there's so much going on and you can feel that they're just like scrambling at times to like cover everything because the books start out with the, with like a little, with like a little backstory on every character I don't know why you would be reading Earth X if you didn't already know the story of most of these characters, but okay. So like the first two pages or first four pages, I guess, because they're like double spreads are the backstory of a character and kind of what led up to to like just before the story started. Mm-hmm. And then there's like five pages in the back that are typically like a conversation that's happening between like X-51 and Uatu or X-51 and uh jameson's son and they're just there's so much information and some of it is critical some of it is not and it's never very clear so like if you're like me and you weren't reading the stuff at the in the back at the beginning and then like halfway through this through the books you're just like oh boy seems like i should have been reading those yeah yeah uh, stylistically or mechanically like talking about the way the story is delivered those prose pieces are i i actually dislike them i made myself read every word and it's like okay who's talking same i got look here let me help you out comma end quote said x51 period It gets even worse when there there are a couple of those te- sections where Uatu, X-51, and John Jameson are all talking. And then you have to get this yeah. bit when, like, a third person gets in the conversation. They just have quotes going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And it never really designates who the speakers are. You have to pick it up from the context of which names are used. So if they say X-51 in the quote, it's probably the Watcher because the Watcher calls X-51 X-51. And then, but you'll look at this moment where it's like, excuse me, uh, hi, in case you forgot, I'm John Jameson and I am also here and I need to talk now because they <laughs> never use narration. It's just quotes. It should be like conference calls where you speak. Oh yeah, this is so-and-so talking. This yeah. is so-and-so talking. Can or you hear me? <laughs> the readers have to work out one of those logic squares like in math class in elementary school. Okay, the wolf doesn't live next door to the chicken, but the uh, human has to live in the greenhouse. So. Or Format it like a script. <laughs> yeah. Just X-51, colon, Uatu, Uatu, colon. Yes, X-51, X-51, colon. Those, those bits are so hard to read. It could be Uatu's like secret journal where he has little drawings in the side, little hearts around the celestials. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so like when, you, and when you're like, I don't know, it's like sifting through those pages and you're just not really reading them. You, you kind of pick up stuff that's, that's you know, oh, they're talking about, you know, Wolverine. And they're talking about various X-Men characters. Okay. <laughs> oh, Wolf- Interesting. Can we, can we talk about Wolverine and Jean Grey? Hold on, and, hold on one just, second. Okay. Hold on. Well, but then, like, other times as you're, like, scro- scrolling through those pages, you're just like, there's a lot of text. And there's not, like, titles anymore. So, so that's when you realize that you're like, oh, they're not just talking about characters. It's a conversation about what happened to those characters. And this is a big conversation about important stuff. Oh boy, I am eight issues deep. Um, but yes, Wolverine. <laughs> Wolverine finally gets Jean Grey and picks booze. <laughs> what? 
Yeah, he gets all. Like, I uh, I love the fact that uh, like his his uh, well their mutant power stopped working, and Wolverine is pretty insistent that like his healing pr- stops him from getting fat and getting uh, drunk, and he is fat and drunk. <laughs> yeah, gosh, this was okay. So this was late nineties, early two thousands. This is like Wolverine at the height of his popularity, and they chose to portray him as just the biggest deadbeat. He is sitting on the couch with an I'm with stupid t-shirt, scratching <laughs> his belly, telling his trophy wife, who has let herself go, to go get him another beer from the kitchen, only to find out that he's not actually married to the person that he thinks he is. Like, I kind of love it. I like I like it when when a story is willing to take shots at the most popular character in a way that is not respectful or reverential, especially those characters who are like overhyped and overexposed and on every single team and always included. And if there's a new character, their first issue has a healthy scoop of Spider-Man or, or Wolverine. You know, yeah, yeah. But there's also, like, a bit of really clever foreshadowing that goes on. Uh, so the... Okay, Bruce Banner. We have to, like, there are just so... There's so much hopping around as we talk about this, so I think... You mean like the book does? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We're going to have to get used to a little bit of conversational whiplash to, to... Cope with the whiplash from the storytelling. So before before we whiplash into Bruce Banner, I do want to point out that even in the book, they point out how whiplashy the book is. Uh, oh yeah. When when X fifty one is kind of really settling in, in like the first couple of issues, yeah. he's like, oh now we're now we're in Europe. Wait, why am I why am I looking in New York again? Oh, this is New York, but it's a different part of New York. And like, yeah, you just kind of get used to and it. Watch just like watch it all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Take it all in. (laughs) But anyway, back to Wolverine and Jean Grey and Bruce Banner. So Bruce Banner had this dream from Marvel, Captain Marvel, and Marvel is dead. Banner's trying to find a way to communicate with Marvel, and so he goes to visit Doctor Strange with the hopes that Doctor Strange can send the Hulk, the the brute baby diaper wearing Hulk into the realm of the dead to communicate with Marvel. Turns out Dr. Strange isn't there. Clea is. She's the new sorcerer Supreme. She makes the arrangement to send the Hulk through to the other side. And on the other side, the Hulk meets with the ghost of Stephen Strange. And what you find out is that in the land of the dead, all of the dead heroes are still acting as if they were alive. They're engaged in all the same sorts of fights that they had when they were alive. And they think all of the living heroes are dead. Only a couple of characters are aware of the fact that they are dead. And they are characters who are somehow like straddling both sides. They're both dead and alive. So Stephen Strange, for example, is dead, but like only his spirit form died his physical form is still alive in the real world so he is aware of the the fact that he's in the land of the dead Jean Grey is also aware and it's kind of implied that that's because of the phoenix my theory is that it's because her clone is still alive her clone is Madeline Pryor and that's who Wolverine is married to it's a twist yeah 
Yeah, also clear the Stephen Strange 30. Oh, yeah. Yep. Also, I kind of I, I kind of wish Loki... Loki apparently is like this real integral part of the puzzle. But he does not get like enough screen time to really feel like it. Yeah, he doesn't do much in this. There's this interesting idea where Loki, as the god of lies, is so familiar with the concept of a lie that he is willing to accept the idea that his entire existence is a lie. That's kind of interesting, and yeah. then it goes nowhere. So it kind of goes somewhere, because the whole concept of him being able to do, be able to lie about his existence being a lie, thus he's able to accept that he's not stuck in that role, which is kind of what enables the Asgardians to be able to fight the Celestials. Yes, but not all the Asgardians. Only the ones that Hela rules over. The dead Asgardians. Ah, oh, the Hela dead ones. <laughs> <laughs> which is why they all lose when they're convinced that they are dead. Which, that's how the Celestials beat the Asgardians by saying, oh, no, you guys are dead, actually. And the Asgardians go, oh. And then they fall over. Yeah. And that was <laughs> anticlimactic a little bit. Yeah. But, so, I, I don't know. There's like a... The thing is, this book also has like a bunch of... Like, I don't know. I don't want to call them dead ends. It has a lot of uh, MacGuffins, maybe. A lot of MacGuffins. Like, there's a lot of stuff in here that, that feels epic, but... Kind of like the Canto Bite sequence from The Last Jedi. It's it's purposely meant to not really mean anything except on a personal level to those characters. Right. Yeah. And Do you mean McGuffins so, or red herrings? Red herrings. Yeah, I was gonna say. I mean both, like I guess. <laughs> there's well, quite there's a less bit of like both. there's less like, you know, plot objects, like there's not like, you know, the ring or the grail or the, you know, whatever, but. Yeah, but I mean, there's like the cure and then there's the, 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 uh, the vibranium. There's the killing a 12 year old child. Yeah, the skull. <laughs> there's Black Bolt's son. Yeah. Oh, yeah, he's a huge McGuffin. deal that doesn't come up until like the last five pages and then it's just like completely unresolved. Quit trying to make Captain Britain happen. It's not happening. Okay, Captain Britain is actually cool, first of all. <laughs> all right, you angle file. <laughs> was Loki's mischief, was that revealed before Black Bolt? Like, we find out that, like, you know, what ends up happening later in the real comics where the Terrigen Mists are released, like, do we find out that Black Bolt was responsible for that? Like, do we think that, like, maybe Loki was a red herring for, like, oh, it's Loki, it's up to something, and we forget to look at, like, one of the supposed good guys who, you know, screwed the whole world over and blinded the Watcher? So, <laughs> that's a good question. A lot of, lot like, of plates spinning, I know. A lot of, lot I of, don't quite understand what Loki's motivation is. Like, he tripped Clea into offing Doctor Strange and then he gets convinced that he is not actually a god and tries to persuade the Asgardians. He kind of like wanders without purpose in this story. Yes. That's kind of the impression that I get. Meanwhile, Black Bolt seems like he is doing things out of a wisdom and a surety that 
I don't know is really native to the character. Like, he purposely blinds the Watcher so that he can purposely release the Terrigen Mists. And I don't know. Like, And then they don't tell Reed Richards that it was his fault. Oh, yeah, and then they don't ever. tell Reed Richards that it wasn't his fault. I guess they're like, eh, he's so busy wallowing over his guilt over the death of Sue and the Human Torch that... What a little bit more guilt isn't gonna make oh, yeah. a difference. Because I don't did we talk about that? Did we mention how nope. like how so Reed Richards was about to do like the one good thing in his life that wasn't like where am I, where are gods amongst men and he was gonna solve the energy crisis in the late nineties, I guess. And he was creating like vibranium towers and then a scientist fell and everything broke. And because everything broke at the same time that the Terrigen Mist was hanging about he thought it was his fault that suddenly everybody was mutated. It was just good timing on Black Bolt's part, I think. Yeah. And also that, that person that fell into the vat of like acid a la Joker style. Actually, they call it out to uh, like Jack Nicholson in that Batman movie. Like Jack Nicholson in that. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and the, now that person is. Uh, oh, what was her name? Uh, that's say- Iron Maiden. Iron Maiden. Also, man, that kid is not Iron Maiden. Sorry, Skull. Boy, that kid is hateable. Oh, he's yeah. the worst. He's I that's, that's oh the point right. The, yes, but like it's he's well done hateable because like even the part where he's like you're worse than Hitler, or they they compare him to Hitler and he's like who? I was like oh you brat oh <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> the the they try so hard to make that kid hateable. So that you don't feel bad about the fact that Captain America just snapped a kid's neck. It doesn't work. It worked for me. <laughs> Didn't work for me. I'm like, I don't want to read a story about Captain America killing children. I don't care how bad the kid is. Well, good thing for you is they don't dwell on it. <laughs> he was mind controlling millions, right? By the end there. I mean, close to. He was in New York. What about little, what about like every kid in every horror movie who are like, Hello, Danny. Like, yeah, what about the kid in Brightburn? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes kids need to die, Steven. <laughs> Only evil children. Only evil children. I love that the parent on the podcast is the one who said that. You can trust that I'm speaking from experience. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like that. Boy. <laughs> don't like that at all. Other people's evil children. <laughs> My evil children can be fixed. Other evil children can't. My children aren't evil. They're asleep. (laughs) Ask me tomorrow when they're awake. Speaking of Dan Olson, which we were earlier, uh, Dan Olson has a YouTube video called The Thermian Effect, which describes this uh, argument pattern among, like, people discussing works of fiction where they use in-universe logic to justify the actions of the characters taken and kind of the limitations of that. And one of the things Olsen says is that, I'm paraphrasing here because it's been a while since I've watched this video, the Thermian argument doesn't account for or doesn't take into account the, the fact that a work of fiction is a construct. The internal logic doesn't necessarily have to apply because ultimately... What you're dealing with is a creator or a group of creators who have a vision and they are translating that vision into a work of art. So if you object to a work of art based on what it depicts, 
because of the the vision that was they chose to portray, defending that via in-universe logic doesn't address the issue. I bring this up to say, I don't care what the rationale is. I don't want to read a story about Captain America murdering kids. I mean, I'm just saying I could read like, I don't know, maybe two more issues of that. <laughs> just go full Anakin Skywalker on the kids. Oh, no. <laughs> Anyways, that's how that's, I'm guessing that's not in the sequel book. So the point is moot and let's move on. <laughs> I've actually read the sequel, not the th- the third sequel. I've never read Paradise X, but I've read Universe X. I actually remember liking Universe X better than Paradise or well, better than Earth. It's X. just tricky cuz there's a lot here that's good. I think it's that like what what's good here you can it's just it's just really dense it's it super dense it, and it's it's there's some interesting stuff here and i didn't expect to like any of it but the plot intrigued me and cuz sometimes i'm just okay it's another alternate take so it's really just like spot your favorite character and how are they different ooh, mm-hmm. ooh you know yeah. and that can black panther's a furry now <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of, of characters who don't go anywhere, Black Panther. He really doesn't go anywhere. He sits in his chair the whole time. Yeah, Black Panther is more prominent in the sequel, as is Black Bolt's son. Yeah. Uh, Magneto actually finally shows up. They mention him in some of the, the back matter, but he actually matters in the plot in, in the sequel. This could have been called A Funny Thing Happened on the Way to the Inhuman Wedding. <laughs> Which never happens. Yeah. Is it like, is that really why they came back to Earth? They left Earth and they're in a huff and then they're like, well, we have to go back for a wedding. Like, hmm. it's just odd to me. Yeah. I don't know. I, I just, I also like the Inhumans. I'm like, eh. You know, we had that good Black Bolt we read and, you know, him being kind of like, his, his look in this comic was cool. And him yeah. being kind of like, okay, go do your thing. You get a shout real loud now. Because you never get to do any, you never get to do anything like that. But here you go, and then, yeah. Can we talk about some of the stuff we liked, though? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Can we talk some more about some of the things that we liked? Here's here's what made me realize I have to I have to read more comics. This is our like how how many comics over a hundred comics over a hundred stories that we've read. And I need to read more comics because uh, looking at this art, all I can think of is, hey, this looks like David Mazzucchelli. And I've read, I've, I've made that same comment a million times. So I need to read more comics so that I have more of a, uh, you know, visual dictionary to refer to, to be more specific about the art and why I like it. I specifically wanted to point out a, the really cool page. This is issue 12, I believe. Page five in the app, yeah, where we get a cityscape, all the celestials just standing doing their celestial thing, the city, and then single face panels at the bottom of all the heroes and uh, main characters there, including Colossus with his sweet mustache. Um across the bottom so that was a cool that was a cool panel oh yeah that page is really good yeah so i don't know if it's the inking um or what it is but yeah it reminds me of dave david mazzucchelli so i need to (laughs) i need to learn more artists so i can better describe this in the future but that's where i'm at right now i thought it was a well-made book um yeah 
I don't disagree with you that this looks like David Mazzucchelli, but when I was reading it, my thought was, huh, this looks like Chris Somney. Yeah. Aldo. Aldo, Stephen can't hear me. I, I, did a, I did a cool mute thing. Hey, do you know who the heck Chris Somney is? I'm going to play it off like I totally know who it is. You just tell me. I don't know. Have we, have we read him know. before? I think we have. I don't know. Anyways, no, I don't okay, think I'm I know. Jump back. I'm going to okay. jump back in. Yeah, Sammy Sandstar. Uh-huh. I love that guy. Samney boy. You guys know who Chris Somney is. Yeah. Uh-huh. You do. Totally do. This is not the sound of me looking him up. Steven, I would not BS you, man. This is this is too important a thing to just, you know, blow smoke in your face. <sighs> I have his I have his collected works on my bedside table. I'm so mad at you. <laughs> Why don't you tell us what you know about him and see if it dies with what we know? So Chris Samney does uh like the first book of his that I read was uh Thor the Mighty Avenger. Um, he has done some, I know he's done some Captain America, uh, he's got, he actually kind of has a similar style to the, the Batman year one era of, uh, David Mazzucchelli. So he has like really good line work, but with a lot of emphasis on dark shadows, defining the shapes, not in a like really deep, dark Half the panel is black with heavy inks, like what Mike Mignola does, but yeah. very detail-oriented. Yeah. Um, gosh, Somni's done a lot. He's just he's just done a lot. He's good. Sorry. Chris Somni's one of my favorite artists, and I swear that I learned about him from you, John. Apparently, I'm wrong. <laughs> he did... He was doing Captain America with Ed Brubaker. He wasn't, like, the guy who did Winter Soldier, though, I don't think. Did you call Ed Brubaker Ed Brubaker? I called him Brubaker. I've pronounced Somni like three different ways in the past five minutes. You cannot be surprised that I'm pronouncing Brubaker a couple different ways. <laughs> so I want to talk about uh, two two things real fast. Uh, yeah, go ahead. I like how Medusa has like hair that's coming out of her face. That's unimportant, yes. but that's one of the things I wanted to point out. <laughs> but I agree with it. It's good. It's yes. important. Uh, I also really, I, I also really like a lot of the. Uh, I guess more original characters that were made for the book. I don't know if they're original. They felt original to me. I don't know if maybe they have some sort of uh, predecessor in mainline Marvel comics, but I'm specifically talking about the circus gang that becomes the new X-Men and Spiders, man. <laughs> I, I don't understand Spiders, man. I like Spiders, man. Cause one, he's not there. Since this book, there has actually been a canonical Spiders, man. Who is a man made out of spiders and wants to eat things and they won't let him. That's from the Spider-Verse stuff. Um, and uh and this one, he his name is just Spider's Man, because I guess like his lizardy scales kind of look like the Spider-Man costume, and he can shoot out webs that make people hallucinate nightmares. Ugh. The the Wikipedia description of him is an African-American homeless man who mutates to a reptilian form that resembles Spider-Man's costume. He uses energy webs that can trap people in an illusion. What I said. Yeah. That's, <laughs> but that, that's all there is to the character. Yeah. There's nothing else. I think Iron Maiden has her own Wikipedia page. Huh. I mean, that's the yeah. band, Steven. Um, Chris, now we're in a loop because <laughs> Chris Somney reminds me of Darwin Cook. 
<laughs> you didn't learn. You didn't learn about Chris Somni from me. It must have been your other friend John, who you do a podcast with. You must have been podcast tramp, <laughs> hopping around, hopping around the mics. <laughs> anyway, so I like the uh, the before circus the, before the pop filters are even cooled off. <laughs> John, the pop filters don't heat up. If your pop filters heating up, you're using it wrong. <laughs> you don't. You don't just like. <laughs> Deep throat the mic to do your to do okay me either me either. <clears throat> I like the X Men in this book too. I like how they have that flying mermaid lady, and I feel yeah. like they're doing some allusions to like Jean Grey for Scott Summers, but it comes off a little weird. Also, like Cyclops gets a lot of grief, deservedly so, but the idea that Cyclops like grows up and loses all of his hair except for his comb over, but then decides that he's going to be Professor X now and he like trains people and become like leads the new generation of X-Men as Mr. S. Like I actually really like that for the character. He's the cool teacher. Yeah. Call me Mr. S. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Mr. Summers. Mr. Summers was my dad. Cool. Call me Mr. S. <laughs> Sorry, he's a star. He's a, he's a star jammer. Oh gosh, I'm just a star, baby. <laughs> but yeah, I do like that he kind of trains them. I, I, I don't know. That's the thing. I've I in my recent years, I've really come to like Cyclops more than just a character in Marvel versus Capcom. <laughs> in, for the longest time, he was just kind of a douchey guy with laser beams. And as I, which I still, I'm still mad about that. I never, it never occurred to me until like last year. But like, how does he ever miss? <laughs> He's looking at it. <laughs> that, that, like, I'm genuinely mad know, about yeah. that. It's like, why, why would Cyclops ever? He should be better than Bullseye. <laughs> if he can see it, he can shoot it. That's it. That's it. And like, and if it's lasers, optics, or what? Like, put up a mirror. He shoot around corners. It's ridiculous. <laughs> But am I wrong? Am no, I, am I hello? But no, but that's not the point. <laughs> Anyways, that's not the point. That's the whole point. The He's got one shtick. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is he has more than one shtick because he's Xavier's protege. And as so, he's like a leader. He's a really good strategist. And like, okay, all right. So he's a jackass and he can shoot laser beams out <laughs> of his eyes. Yes, John. And, I, <laughs> and it kind of bothers me that. That one, John keeps bringing up the laser beam thing. But two, <laughs> that, you know, we talk about Captain America and we're like, oh, yeah, he's just like a strong guy. And everybody's like, but he's a really good strategist. And it's like, so is Scott Summers, but he never gets that due. Like, he, nobody ever praises him for that. And like, that dude, like, leads a nation pretty much at this point where we're at in the comics. And I feel like, and I don't know, he was like, he was meeting Che Guevara for a while. Like, that was my favorite. Same. Cyclops. Yeah. yeah. Cyclops of Revolutionary was, was my favorite version so far. So him kind of being the guy that trains these new X-Men and also isn't being a manipulative brainwasher is kind of nice. He's become a better father than his father. Yeah. Oh. Anyways, I'm done with that rant. <laughs> <laughs> Another thing that I liked, Spider-Man getting back in the game. Yeah. Like, I didn't love how Spider-Man was like, hey, May, don't help people. It's it's not cool. 
But then at the end, when Spider-Man rescues Steve Rogers from the skull, he's wearing like the the dumpy store bought version of the Spider-Man. Uh, it says it Peter Parker Spider-Man on it. it. Always fits. Yeah. <laughs> But we get this great moment when he's masking up and he says, it's responsibility that brings power. It's knowing what needs to be done that brings strength and courage. And it's like, that's a, I love that little twist on the great power, great responsibility thing. Yeah. Like the whole thing about Spider-Man is, you know, responsibility comes with power. If you have power, you have a responsibility to use it correctly. But at this moment, Spider-Man realizes that his desire to help people is what makes him powerful. And so flipping the great power, great responsibility thing on its head like that actually got me a little teary-eyed. I thought it was brilliant. Yeah. I don't know that it justifies his whole arc, but it's good enough. Like that <laughs> moment, I'm like, this moment is good. I will give you this book. I had a conversation with another friend who's a really big Spider-Man guy. Uh his uh, it's Lucas from uh, Big Shiny Robot Podcast, and this was back when like Homecoming first came out, and I was real unhappy with Homecoming. <laughs> and I remember kind of talking about how I hated that that Peter Parker had like did not have consequences, and I and and part of the conversation was like he was talking about how like I was so hung up on the idea that like the great power, great responsibility needs to be a factor. What I was trying to say and didn't know how to verbalize was that there needed to be consequences because more often than not, and he put it this way, is that Peter Parker doesn't understand responsibility. He mistakes responsibility with guilt or vice versa. And I thought that was really interesting. And there was something in here again, like, you know, like how Stephen was saying that they twist that saying kind of in on itself. And it really comes down to like. Not even consequences, because he's past consequences at this point. He's accepted the consequences of doing nothing, which is everything's real craptastic, I guess. But him kind of twisting that in on itself to give himself the power is, is that was, it was Chef Hans emoji. <laughs> Anyways. For a second, I thought you said Jeff Hans. <laughs> Who the heck is Jeff Hans? <laughs> That's gonna be my uh it's gonna be my artist pseudonym. Jeff Hans. Jeff Hans. Jeff Hans. <laughs> so if you see a twi- if you see a Twitter account follow you, it's Jeff Hans. <laughs> what was the weirdest thing in this book? That is a really good question. Cause the first thing that popped on my mind is the I'm with stupid shirt that Wolverine's <laughs> wearing. But I wanna say okay, I think the weirdest thing, and I think this is almost even contextually this is the weirdest to me, the weirdest thing. Is the fact that, okay, this is leading up to the weird thing. This is the setup. This is not the weird thing. And it's that Alicia (laughs) Masters, Alicia Masters is an inhuman with the ability to give life to things, right? And what does she, she makes a bunch of adventures themed golems to be her house servants. And they justify it as she's honoring them. How? What? (laughs) I okay. thought you were gonna say my weird thing. <laughs> What's your weird thing? Do y'all did y'all do y'all remember the part where where Reed Richards speculates that the reason that Alicia Masters is so special is the fact that she actually had a twin that never got born, and so she resorbed the twin and thus has two of the celestial seeds. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> That's messed up. Yeah, 
Nope. That, that what? happened. That's when? Issue 11. Oh my god. Oh, issue that's when I was tapping out. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> issue 11 opens with, you know, that, that big page with the tall panels where they're explaining the history of uh, the High Evolutionary and Alicia Masters. And Uwatu says, like, calls BS on one of whatever Richard's crazy theory. And he's like, what are you saying, Richards? Alicia Masters' seed wasn't germinated until Black Bolt released the Terrigen Mists into the air. She gained new powers and abilities then. And then Richards responds and says, perhaps, Uatu, she had two seeds. One which had been germinated long before Black Bolt's attempt to save his people. After all, look at Ben and Alicia's children. Twins run in the family. Like, what does that mean? Can that mean anything other than she Dwight Schrooted her, like, intro <laughs> twin or in utero oh, twin? Oh man, I died. I missed that bit. Yo, no, I took a screenshot. My my technique for taking notes for the podcast is to actually screenshot pages and then like write on them. And I just screen capped that and wrote, "Ugh." <laughs> it's not a bad idea. I might do that. Uh, yeah, boy, that's, that's, I guess, like a, like a, like an unborn twin. That's a lot to take in. Uh, Uh, it's not that much. An unborn twin (laughs) is not that big. All right. That's fair. I don't have a lot of experience with unborn twins or twins in general, born or otherwise. Well, uh, if I can put out my card there, they don't sleep for a year. And neither do you. <laughs> I'm starting to like forget months and months and months of last summer just because it was just uh, no sleep. You see, there's two of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you only have so many arms as a parent. When you, when you have twins, they should issue you a third parent or some sort of like live-in help, Sister Maria... Mary Poppins type nanny, because oh, I mean, anyhow. John, that would that would imply that you're in a that you live in a country that actually cares about your health and well being. <laughs> you're right, I forgot. <laughs> actually, oh, can I say God. can I say though, the more we read like post apocalyptic books, the less I want to read them right now. Yeah. <laughs> Norman well, Osborn like as it's the like Black Mirror, yeah, like shelving their season, being like, "Sorry, <laughs> reality's too close." Norman Osborn as the president, <sighs> white that sounds like an improvement, and he used alien DNA to make a big evil monster that takes over people's minds. Yeah, a stupid idiot uh, boy. I, I, I don't know. He's, what, what, what's a good phrase? Like a proud boy, perhaps. Taking over America in some sort of movement across from California to New York. You know, I, I think I would go with more of like, he's a, you know, he likes to think that he's really, you know, risque, really dangerous. And he likes to be in charge of things. So he's kind of like an edge lord. He's like that kid in, he's like that kid in uh, middle school who like bragged about having sex. And it's like, what, 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 you're 12. <laughs> Shut your face. Yeah. No, uh. It's funny that they have the evil, like, blatantly corrupt criminal billionaire supervillain being the president of the United States. But the Trump parallel is actually probably the skull, isn't it? (laughs) There's a lot of... The petulant, stupid child. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
oh, I don't like this book anymore. It just <laughs> dropped several. It, like, it just dropped several. Like, I can't. I, I just. Oh, yeah. Uh, like, oh. You know. You know what part was really cool though? Uh, Deadpool Daredevil. Yeah, that was all right. I like him. Yeah. I like that he wants to die and he can't. I uh, I forgot what character. There's a character that dies. Like right in front of him, and he's just like, "Man, I wish that was me." I think it was Stark. Yeah, Stark? yeah, I think Stark does. Yeah, and he's like, "Boy, I wish that was me," or something like that. And I thought that was. I don't get Tony's End Game, where like you know he just gets a ship and rams him, and it's like, why did you think that would work, Tony Stark? Yeah. <laughs> also, did you guys read the bit where apparently Ant Man and his daughter are living somewhere in Tony's bubble? Oh, yeah. And he doesn't know about it? Yep. What? <laughs> yep. <laughs> that's that's one of those things in the back of the book that you read it and you think, is that important? And then you get to the end of the book and you're like, well, I guess not. <sighs> Man, what a, what, a, what a read. Richards? Yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like there's something here, though. Maybe that's why they were, there were sequels to it, right? Because well, the sequels are planned from the beginning, too, I think. Oh. Because, like, Marvel finally shows up in issue X, which That's is the true. 14th part, That's which is true. after issue 12. Like, Marvel's been, like, hinted at through the whole thing, but he doesn't matter in this story at all. He matters in the next one. We get a cameo very early on from Adam Warlock. Yeah. Warlock doesn't matter in this story. Next one. Yeah. Uh, all of the stuff with Black Panther and the Vibranium. That's all next story, too. I mean, that kind of matters a little bit now. It kind of matters a little yeah. bit. It's it's very red herring in this yeah. story. Because you think the Vibranium is why the mutants are the way they are, and it turns out that they're not. Yes. But yeah, no, I agree that there's definitely like so much story going on that this kind of feels like Star Wars, where you can tell they're kind of setting up future stories, but they just did what they knew they could get away with. And tried to see how that was received, right? Uh, well, maybe, but I'm thinking about the original trilogy and like all these things going on. If if this was like Star Wars, or if Star Wars was like this, then we'd not only get like a scene on Dagobah, a scene on Cloud City, we'd get a scene on a planet we've never heard of that like the the people on the planet had one time said hey to Han Solo in a bar, and we're gonna get a whole scene of their lives and, and goings on, and then we're gonna hop over to something else, and then we're gonna hop over here, and then we're gonna have two characters muse endlessly about. Remember when Yoda was a young pup? Yeah, me too. I remember that. Well, let's watch him some more. So the story's not like Star Wars as much as it's like the Star Wars Extended Universe. Oh, I thought you were going to say Rise of Skywalker. Oh, yeah. <laughs> here's what Here's what I... I think that if this were, like, trimmed up a bit, that would help it. I just... It was, I'm, I'm, uh, it's exhausting. The, the, the thing is, this is... Okay, I enjoyed this book. Okay. I enjoyed... Re- I Okay, I didn't enjoy reading the book. I enjoyed the story that was told to me, mostly the parts I could grasp. And I like this book. And I don't know that I would recommend this book to somebody because I don't even know if I. This is how the conversation would be. I'd be like, "Hey, you should read Earth X." Oh, really? What's it about? And I would just be like, "You know what? Just, uh, just don't." <laughs> I would just give up because I'd have to explain the book. <laughs> Like, listen, you can read it or you can not. I don't care. (laughs) (laughs) 
What's it about? Is that a prerequisite to get you to read it? Because if that's the case, then no. Yeah. What's it about? Well, I mean, it's about everything. Yeah. But it's not The thing bad. has twins. Thing has twins. Oh, so there's this great moment. There's one other, like, great little artwork moment that I forgot about. It's in, uh, oh, it's either issue 12 or issue X, I think, when Namor joins in the fight against the Celestials. Namor, like, jumps out of the water and he's like, you think we would have forgotten you? And he, like, rails on the Celestials for how oh much. I'm still on fire, suckers. Yeah. He pulls out the horn and he blows the horn and summons sea monsters. <gasps> that horn is the famous horn that Doom toots on. <laughs> it is I who chooses to do. <laughs> Fool Doom toots as he chooses. That's I don't what it is. Goes. Oh, oh my it's so gosh. good. That's the horn. Nice. <laughs> do not toot. <laughs> this this book feels like it's it's not written for a regular casual audience. This feels like this is written for fanboys. 100%. And I'm not saying that's bad. I'm just saying there's so much here from Easter eggs to story points to just characters in general. It's overwhelming. But if this is like if you've had I'm assuming if you had like grown up and you were maybe 40 when this book came out, you had been reading Marvel stuff for like the last 30 years. Boy, this must have been amazing for you, I imagine. Oh, heck, again, like, I read, I had the trading cards. <laughs> and so it was like, I, knew I, I, I mentioned, yeah, well, I mentioned this the last time, like, last episode. I'm surprised it took this long. This book helped to fill in the gaps from what I, like, learned from the trading cards. I read, like, I, I knew who a lot of these characters were because they, you know, I had their cards. But then it's like, okay, what else do I need to know about Captain Marvel? This book actually does go into a fair amount of detail as to who Captain Marvel is. It goes into a lot of detail about Namor, about Captain America's history. It, it filled in a lot of gaps that you don't get from one tiny little piece of cardboard. So, yeah, like, if you are someone who is interested in the minutia of Marvel Comics lore, this is a really compelling read, and I think it's worth the investment, even if... The plot isn't perfect, and it's got weird little cul-de-sacs, and Captain America murders a prepubescent boy, and it, yeah, like, yeah, it's a mixed bag. You, uh, you actually just reminded me of something I liked about this book, which was Namor. Oh yeah, the Namor stuff I think I think is pretty good. Namor's pretty important to this book, except not really, because <laughs> they when when uh, X fifty one or Aaron Stacks or you know Machine Man or the new Watcher, I don't know. Whatever name you want to use. Oh, he's, he calls himself the Watchman. Oh, yeah, the Watchman. Ooh, shots fired. <sighs> Who watches the Watchman? <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, when they're, they're going through the whole history of the Marvel Universe, which actually, that reminds me, I have those issues, and I haven't read them. They did a new history of the Marvel Universe series. Ooh. Yeah, huh. I haven't read them. I have them. Anyways. And he keeps asking, like, why Why do we keep going back to Namor? And he's like, Namor's real important. But then it's like, not really. He dies later. He's on. He's half on fire. And he kind of just serves to illustrate the point that this child is kind of an idiot. Because there's that point. <laughs> there's that point where, where Colossus is like, 
I have to worry about my people. And Captain America's like, he's going to come here. He's going to take over your people. And he's a child and he's kind of stupid. So he's not going to really think about watering the crops or stuff like this. And to prove that point later when they bump into Namor and he's like weekend and he's like, yeah, that kid hasn't put me in the water for like a month and I'm weak and I'm dying. (laughs) And I thought that was just kind of, I thought that was funny. Uh, To me, that felt like a joke. (laughs) Also, I like, I like how he's, he's half on fire, like perfectly. Yeah. (sighs) Um, anything else we want to say about this? I sure wish, uh, May Parker would have gotten like more to do. I think she's in the sequel more. I'm not positive. I would hope so. I was. I really liked the whole bit with the with the Hulk. I thought his whole thing was kind of interesting. I liked it quite a bit. I don't. They didn't really explain why Bruce Banner is a kid and not just separate. But okay. Yeah, there's a lot that they don't explain, but. I mean, some of the designs do work for me. The Hulk design surprisingly does. I know yeah. I've been making fun of the diaper, but it's 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 pretty <laughs> it's interesting funny. to look at. Yeah, you um, mean Hulky Kong? <laughs> Donkey Hulk? Donkey Hulk? Cake? That sounds like Don Quixote. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Do we rank it? I don't know. Yes. Can we rank it? Yes, we can. Okay. <laughs> Who's the one with kids now? <laughs> hey, I realized I realized earlier that I might have come down on the side of pro-child murder. <laughs> I just I just want to point out this is the last book I'm gonna rank in Portland. That's true. You're you're Aww. on your way back to the I almost said great state and uh, I'm going back to the state. You're going back to the state <laughs> that you yeah. left from. Yes, I wonder why. You remember Utah's <laughs> state motto was a pretty great state? Was, was that really it? its motto? Yeah. It's a pretty great state? Yeah, and I think it's supposed to be a joke because it's like a pretty, comma, great state. Oh. Like, yeah, it's real bad. I don't know if that's still the motto, but that definitely was at one point. Anyway, so on our list currently we have 105 stories. Uh, going from the really, really good, which is currently led by Ms. Marvel, No Normal, first appearance of Kamala Khan, and uh, the lowest is The Evil That Men Do, which is a book that is bad by a writer who should know better. Also, um, the Utah State motto is industry. Yeah, I was going to say, it's on the flag, Stephen. I'm not even from here. <laughs> It's just, I mean, I had to look I it up. I think I prefer a pretty great state. I mean, that's better than the alternative. Anyways. I think that's, I think that's Springfield's motto. I think you're mixing up Simpsons and Utah. <laughs> We're going to deal with this later. So, where does Earth <laughs> X go on our list? I want to say that I think, even with its faults, this is a top 30 book, maybe? I'm not real adamant on that statement. I just want to point out my gut. Okay. My gut reaction is somewhere there, but also this book has a lot of caveats. This book is like a bad, bad hookup. It has a lot of baggage. <laughs> yeah, I can tell you what my my floor is. I don't know if it goes that high, but I I want to designate a floor. Um, 
John mentioned Neil Gaiman. No, although you mentioned I Neil did. Gaiman earlier. Yeah. 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 I think this is better than the Neil Gaiman books that we've read, which yeah. puts it above Eternals, which is currently at 63. Okay. That's like, that's as much as I'm willing to say right now. I might be willing to get talked higher, uh, even potentially a lot higher. I What's number 30? <laughs> Finely Woven Thread, Gifted, Shuri. No, I actually think all of those books are better than this, <laughs> personally. I don't know. John, what are you thinking? Lower than both of you, but... <laughs> I mean, that's fair. But but really, because it's not bad, it's just like not something that I would pick up and want to read again. It's like... Right. It's like... Just because it's just so dense. It's just like, all right, let's just... Like, this could... It could have used a little streamlining... It's like from like a yeah. readability standpoint. It's like the Bible. Yeah. It has like post-apocalypse, apocalypse, plagues, Moses splitting the seas. That's real cool. But boy, there's just a lot going on. Yeah, you <laughs> you want to read Revelations? You want to read like uh, the books of Samuel because that's where David throws a rock at Goliath. But once you get to like Deuteronomy, you just snooze. I but I I mean I could I could go. I could be persuaded to go higher because it's, you know, democracy, but I just, you know, what am I going to reread again? And I actually would not mind rereading this, especially now that I kind of know what to expect. Yeah. Um, I read this book when I was an older teenager. I was probably about 18 or 19, I'm guessing. Um, This is the first time that I've ever actually made myself read all the prose bits. And Mm. it turns out they don't actually add that much. So once you have an idea of the plot, like this book is actually pretty fun to just go through and read snippets again. It's like, ooh, you know what? I just want to read the bits with Scott Summers and the X-Men. So you flip through and you look for those. Or, ooh, I really uh, just want to read the Spider-Man stuff. Or I just want to see Diaper Hulk in the Land of the Dead. And like there are some really good moments that are worth going back to, I think. Because I did. But Stephen... If you don't read the prose, how will you ever know that Nightcrawler uh, died because the Terrigen Mist canceled out his mutation and he looked like a human and the people felt betrayed that he was a human and then they killed him for it? I just remembered what actually happened to Nightcrawler in this universe and that's not the full story. Well, (laughs) (laughs) Bit bit of a bummer. Yeah, let's put it lightly. Uh, Well, just on that premise alone, (laughs) I'm going to drop it down a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) No, what actually wound up happening to Nightcrawler was more interesting for what it's worth. Um, Oh, gosh. Yeah, I just scrolled down like Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur, I think, is better. Yeah. Um, The Black Bolt we read. I liked better. Secret Wars I liked better. Yeah, I'm kind of like, I didn't, I don't care about Howard the Duck. I don't care. Like... People, people think he's the greatest. I just don't care about Howard the Duck, and that's <laughs> that's our number fifty-eight right now. Mm-hmm. And I would put this above Demon Bear. <sighs> yeah, you know what? I kind of like that placement between Demon Bear and the Star Wars manga. Yeah, puts it above Howard the Duck. John, what do you think? I I like Demon Bear more, but um, I also am outvoted and and don't want to talk about this dense. <laughs> <brick of a laughs> <story>. <laughs> Yeah, um, I will. I will live to fight another day. <laughs> I think this whole area is pretty good because it. Remember how we talked about Secret Wars and how reading Secret Wars felt like homework? Yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, this also feels like homework. Yeah. And this puts it in the same neighborhood as Secret Wars. But Secret Wars is an easier reading assignment, so Secret Wars goes higher. There you go. That's a good rule of thumb. And Captain America may kill a child in this, but... Oh my gosh. <laughs> nobody inexplicably turns into a Native American in a way that is kind of suspect. So yeah, no, I, I like it. Let's put it between Star Wars New Hope manga and the Demon Bear, which would put it at the new 56. What, what are we got for next time, Steven? <sighs> I forgot we got to do this again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so next time, because we've got moves that are happening and all sorts of other things, we needed to do a little bit of a lighter reading schedule. So we're doing another single issue roundup. Uh, I don't know that we ever came up with a good name for these these episodes. Each of us is suggesting a single issue story that we're going to read. So we've got three stories for next time. Uh, John recommended that we read the Thanos, or how do you pronounce that word? Thanos. <laughs> John recommended that we read the Thanos Annual from 2018. Uh, sounds like you're pretty excited about this book. Have you read it before? I've only read the Christopher Hastings. It's a couple different stories from different writers and artists. I've only read the Chris Hastings story. Oh! Um, I I mean, like, cards on the table, I'd follow him off a cliff. So, just (laughs) really funny. Really funny. And this is is top-notch writing in this one. And the art is really, really good, too. Um, So, I'm excited to read the rest... Because the, the point of me suggesting it so is so we could all laugh at uh, uh, this particular section of it together. I do like Chris Hastings. So um, So I decided to be a little bit more uh, politically conscious. And Ugh. since this is an election year, Ugh. decided to recommend the election special from the Ms. Marvel 2015 series, uh, issue number 13. Uh, I don't know what the name of this issue is. I just called it Kamala Gets Out the Vote. Now, I have not read this before. Am I going to have an advantage over you guys because uh, uh, reading about that election and I speak Russian? <laughs> it's, oh, it's about the local election. No. Oh, okay. Well, that sounds delightful then. <laughs> um, and then Aldo <laughs> filled, like... The role of Steven this night tonight will be played by Aldo, who recommended the completely ludicrous story Anthem Blue Cross Presents Iron Man and Habit Heroes from 2013. <laughs> I'm excited. I read it already in preparation, uh, but I'm still excited. <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is going to be the new Eminem vs. Punisher. Ooh. I hope so. 